You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. And welcome. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. My name is Wayne Shepherd, and these weekly conversations are part of the ministry that Michael has these days, and we're grateful for your time, Mike. Well, I'm I'm grateful that you would take the time out of your busy schedule. You're much busier than I am these days, and and uh, <laughs> and I and I think everyone who listens to these programs uh, appreciates you know your heart and just your gift, and also you know want to thank Joe Carlson for doing the majority of the work, uh, yep. scheduling things and putting the programs together. I mean, yep. we're basically look- just here for our looks, Wayne, but Joe I'm, does all the, wo- all the, all the work. I'm looking at his face right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah. He's smiling. He's grinning from ear to ear. I've been hey. told to have a great face for radio. So, <laughs> oh, I wish I had a nickel for every time I've heard that. All right. Um, I, I'm imagining there are people in your life, and I think I know the one in your life, that there isn't a day goes by that you don't think of this man. Oh, absolutely. Um I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for uh, Bill Lane. I think I'd probably be a forest ranger up in the Smokies if it wasn't for Bill Lane. Uh, I wouldn't be married to Susan Card because he talked her into marrying me and then performed the service. Um, wow. As much as one person can owe another person, I, I owe uh, William Lane. And, and uh, the, our listeners have already heard part one, and now they're going to get to hear part two of this incredible yep. uh, discovery he made at the end of his life called The Cycle of Discipleship. We'll get to that from the archive here in just a few moments. The late Dr. Bill Lane. Mm. Our featured resource this month is the CSB, the Disciple Study Bible. And then Nancy Guthrie will be with us in the second half, talking about her book, Even Better Than Eden. So mm. more reason to stay with us for this week's podcast. And uh, again, our listeners are so wonderful. Here's a listener who writes their note to the studio podcast team. And I like mm. that because you, yes. you hear our voices, but... Just like you don't hear Joe's voice, you don't hear from, you know, so many others behind the scenes making all this possible. So thank you. This comes from Annie, who says, what a gift your podcast has been. I'm a young wife and mother who's been listening to your podcast for about two years now. This new season of life has impressed on me how important it is to bring the Bible to life, in a sense, to disciple my little daughter and to encourage my godly husband. Your Mm. conversations and music build me up to know God's word better and ponder his character. And then listen to this, Mike. Annie asks, do you ever feel discouraged in your work? I know I do. But when you are discouraged, you can remember this little family in Vermont that is seeking to honor God in our home and our community and how your work draws us closer to our wonderful Lord. The Lord be with you, Annie. Wow. (laughs) That may be the most encouraging thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Isn't that remarkable? Oh, thank you, Annie. And you you be encouraged that godly wife and godly uh, mom, uh, I, think, I think your family's blessed to have you. All right. Part two of our conversation from the archive with Dr. Bill Lane. We're talking about the cycle of discipleship, a cycle that begins with the call of Jesus upon our life. He calls to himself those he wants to be with him. And they are called specifically to be with him in a variety of situations, and then to be authorized to speak his word and to do his work. Hmm. 
That brings us into a second phase of the cycle. After we have been with Jesus, we are equipped for word and for power by Jesus, and we go forth in mission. And we'll take an in-depth look at that here today. Yes, Wayne. And then the cycle is advanced and brought to closure when we return to Jesus and we tell him all that we have done and all that we have taught, and we hear him say, now come and rest and be with me in new situations, for I have yet more to teach you. Mm. Now, that cycle continually renews itself, being with Jesus, being authorized to go out and represent Jesus, returning to Jesus, and reporting all that we have done, all that we have said, and hearing him say, now come and be with me once again. It's a wonderfully clarifying thing to apply this to your life and ministry, to ask yourself, where am I in this cycle? I know it's made a world of difference. And as we said last week, are we stuck in just one phase of the cycle, which can be detrimental to our spiritual growth and our relationship with the Lord? Well, we've kind of chosen one of your songs to be our theme song for this series, Michael. It's the song, Bearers of the Light. I think as we begin here today that we should take time to ask you to sing the whole song for us Mm -hmm. here and just enjoy this together. As we think about our journey today and discipleship today, not so much as a destination, but as Bill is describing it, a renewing, growing process, the cycle of discipleship. Michael has moved over to the piano, and here's his song, Bearers of the Light. The light we must bear is the light we must share is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. He will walk beside us, a strong friend Barnabas. He will be that sure shoulder to lean on. The promise we share is our burden to bear, and our light tells the darkness to be gone. The light we must bear is the light we must share, is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. He will come after me, this young Timothy, looking for someone to guide him. I will kindle his light, make him strong for the fight. I will promise to be there beside him. Bear is the light we must share, is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. And so we must claim in his powerful name the promise the Bible has spoken. We must understand that a cord of three strands cannot be easily broken. The great need of us all, a true mentor, a Paul, who has traveled the road that's before us. He has made good the pledge to take the light on ahead. We can follow his footsteps before us. 
light we must bear Is the light we must share Is the light that illumines the darkness The promises kept Give us strength to accept This burden of bearing the light The promises kept Give us strength to accept This burden of bearing the light Michael, I like the image of bearers of the light, for we have no light within ourselves. Mm. It's only as we've been with Jesus Mm. that light begins to thrust out all of the darkness uh, that has been just built up inside every one of us. Mm. And what we saw in the Gospel of Mark last week was that Jesus involved the Twelve with him in an experience of conflict. He involved them at times of teaching. He involved them in an encounter with the demonic. They stood with Jesus in the presence of disease and death, and finally in the humiliation of personal rejection. It's very interesting that the transition to phase two where Jesus authorizes them to go forth to speak his word and to do his work, is found in a little verse, a half verse, if you please, Mm -hmm. uh, in verse 6b of chapter 6 of the gospel. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, and I find in there a suggestion there were many other things that Jesus taught the disciples in that itinerant ministry Mm -hmm. as they were with him, moving from village to village, and that becomes the prelude to their being commissioned to speak for Jesus. Just for clarification, we're in the book of Mark. That's the book that uh, Bill just referred to, and it is uh, chapter 6 and verse 6. I want our listeners to be able to open the scriptures if you're in a position to do that and, and take a look at that with us. Michael, would you read for us the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verse 7, and verse 12 and 13. Sure. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. And they went out and preached that people should repent, and they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. It was Jesus who initiated the call to be with him. And it's Jesus who initiates the commissioning of the Twelve to be sent out two by two with authority that he gives to them to exercise authority over evil spirits. And we read they went out and preached that people should repent. Why? Because that was the message of Jesus Mm -hmm. as he came into Galilee. Repent, for the kingdom of God has drawn near. It's interesting to me, Bill, that they're sent out two by two. Is there some specific background to that? What's the strategy there? It's clear that there is an advantage when two persons go forth because one person may be gifted in one area and one in another. But that isn't the answer to the question. The real answer is, in the scriptures of the Old Covenant, that is the Old Testament, the law of testimony was that every matter had to be confirmed at the mouth of two or three witnesses. Mm -hmm. And so it's a concern for truth. It's a concern for integrity that uh, stands behind the appointment 
of the going forth of the pairs of disciples. That that is fascinating. Uh, there is strength in in two going together. You can you can draw strength from each other. But that that's a fascinating background to it, Bill. And when you get that from a, a full understanding of the Old Testament here, when you bring it to the New. Yes, and you see, background is sometimes crucial for understanding a detail. Hmm. You may remember there was a small detail in chapter 3, verse 14, that we never commented on last week. Okay. Jesus called the twelve whom he designated apostles. Now, that word apostle is familiar to us. We speak of the acts of the apostles. And not all of us would have an opportunity to know that behind that important term was a Jewish juridical institution of the first century called the Sheliach. The Sheliach was simply a commissioned agent. Hmm. You would commission someone to act in your name. And the key ruling with regard to the Sheliach was, the word of the one who is sent is as authoritative as the word of the one who commissioned him. The closest we would have in our culture, it seems to me, would be a lawyer Mm -hmm. who enters into a court, enters into uh, the bank uh, to draw up a mortgage and uh, to make arrangements for you. And whatever he agrees to, you have agreed to because you authorized him to act on your behalf. Mm -hmm. Now, the disciples were Sheliakim, that is, <laughs> they, they were the commissioned agents of Jesus. Would they have understood that background that you just described to us? They certainly would have. And anyone with a Jewish background to whom Mark was writing would have understood. Okay. But I understand Mark to have written for uh, the Church of Rome, where there were many Gentiles. And I assume, Wayne, there must have been teachers in the congregation that would have helped the Christians of that day to understand this background. Well, again, that that sheds so much light on, on what he was doing here. You see, Jesus was authorizing them to speak the word that he spoke. It's obvious they had to be with him to know precisely what that word was. He was authorizing them to do the work that he was doing. It's obvious they had to have been with him in a variety of experiences and seen what God was pleased to do through Jesus. They go as his representatives. They are not free agents. The interesting fact about the Sheliach is, if he received a commission and became ill and was unable to fulfill the commission, it simply stopped Hmm. with him. In other words, if I were commissioned to buy a piece of land for you, Wayne, I couldn't, if I became ill, simply say, Michael, Wayne wanted me to buy a piece of land. He gave me these specifications. He's willing to pay so much an acre. Would you please take this commission and carry it forward? No, I am responsible to you because I am your agent. And I am absolutely accountable for what I do in your name. So it speaks of a very special and unique relationship that the apostles had with Jesus. Now, this is the way I think we ought to uh, uh, think about this, this phase of the, of the discipleship cycle. 
There was first a school phase. The twelve are with Jesus in a variety of situations. It's followed by an outreach stage. And the beauty of the outreach stage is the disciples don't go in their own strength. They don't go in their own resources. They are the authorized, commissioned agents mm. of Jesus, and they go empowered with the power of Jesus. Yeah, I just I just encircled the phrase, and he gave them authority. That's the language of the Sheliach. They He imparts his authority to them. Absolutely. Yeah. And you see, when I know that I have been authorized by the Lord to speak his word or to do his work, it gives me confidence to enter into situations that are brand new to me which are unfamiliar, which take me out of my comfort zone, knowing he will participate in the whole transaction to his own glory. Take us then to verses 12 and 13, because here are the results of them acting with the authority that Jesus gave to them. Yes, they do not preach their own message, but they preach that people should repent. They do not do their own work. But they encounter the demonic and they drive out many demons. They anoint many sick people with oil and they are healed because Jesus acts through them and he speaks through them. Bill, is there any evidence that the apostles really understand what's going on here, that they understand the authority that's been given to them and understand the results of that ministry? Yes, we'll find that out, particularly in phase three, when they come back and excitedly tell the Lord all that has transpired. So I have to wait until next week to find out the answer to my question. (laughs) Yes, I think you do. (laughs) All right. But what I'd like to call attention to is uh, the verses that we uh, neglected to read that are in between verses 8 through 11. Mm -hmm. These instructions that Jesus gave to the 12 were specific to that mission. But what he makes absolutely clear is, you will depend entirely upon the provision of God. Let's read those verses, Michael. Uh, These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts, Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. And whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. Now, what I hear, Michael, in these verses is that Jesus anticipates that God will provide hospitality for the twelve. He will care for them. At the same time, when they enter a town and a home is open to them, they are not to bring dishonor upon that house when more comfortable quarters are offered Mm -hmm. by someone else. Uh, They are to enter into into the house. They are to pronounce a blessing upon it. They are to stay there until they leave that town. They aren't beggars going from house to house. No, not at all. But what I appreciate about the text is that it is entirely realistic. It is realistic in the recognition There will be places where they are not welcomed, where men and women and young people will not listen to them. And in that case, they are to shake the dust off their feet 
when they leave as a testimony against them. This is an interesting uh, account of what I call prophetic realism. Hmm. It actually corresponded to an action uh, that uh, Jewish people engaged in when they left the Holy Land to visit perhaps in Babylon or in Asia or some other place, and then would return to the borders of Israel. They would carefully remove from their feet any dust that had clung to, uh, to the skin, any dust that had clung to their garments. As a witness, they didn't want the pollution of those lands that did not know the Lord God clinging to them. Now, from that actual uh, activity of cleansing themselves or uh, removing the dust of uh, pagan lands from their feet and from their garments, there came an important symbolic action. If I were to stand before you, Wayne, and shake out my garments against you, you would know that I was saying, you are no better than a pagan. In the culture, I would get the message. Absolutely. Yeah, boy, that's fascinating. It was a very powerful action. Uh, it and, was a powerful statement. And that's what it means here, as a testimony against them. Absolutely. In other words, as a severe warning, be careful, you are resisting the very purposes of God. But what I appreciate about the account is, Jesus says, God will provide for you. But don't forget, you will also encounter opposition, even as I have encountered opposition. There are no red carpet treatments that are guaranteed. Well, again, today we're with Dr. Bill Lane and Michael Card, and we're learning from the scriptures about this second cycle of discipleship. We covered cycle one last week, today cycle two, next week cycle three. Bill, um, how do we apply this? We're to be living constantly uh, in this cycle. How do we apply what you're teaching us here today? I think, Wayne, we should anticipate that after we have been with Jesus in a variety of situations, it is going to be our privilege to represent him. But we are not to simply speak out of our wisdom. We are not to share our experience apart from uh, the experience that we have found in the presence of the Lord. We are to do his work. We are to speak his word. That's what the world desperately needs. Mike, last week you talked about the fact that sometimes you get stuck in a particular phase of the cycle. Um, is this a, a difficult phase for you? Uh, I think it is. Um, I think it's difficult from the standpoint of discerning when, when is Jesus sending you out? When does that uh, commission come? And I think that's, uh, that's when it's important to have the brothers who can help you discern, mm. you know, is it time for me to go? You know, is it time for me to go out and do his work and, and uh, share, share his word? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's a good word, Michael, yeah. about sharing with the brothers, because that's what this sending out two by two is all about. Mm -hmm. It's not that you simply say, I feel the call of God upon my life for music. And I'm going to give myself to that, irregardless of what the community has to say. Mm -hmm. But there ought to be at least one other. There ought to be others who are confirming, yes, 
the call of God is upon your life for a ministry of music, mm-hmm. and you are to speak Jesus' word, you are to do Jesus' work. So as we think about this call, uh, first of all, to be with Jesus, and then the call to go, perhaps, at least to me, the most fundamental thing is that we don't do that in our power. The, the call means that we go in his strength. And that's precisely right, Wayne. Jesus initiates the call to be with him, and if that has not occurred, we are ill-equipped to speak his word and do his work. Mm-hmm. But Jesus also initiates the call to speak his word, to do his work, to go where he is going. And there we are to be his representative. And I think that that gives such a dignity to those engaged in the works of ministry. They can commend themselves as his Sheliak. Mm-hmm. They can commend themselves as his authorized agent. They can speak on his authority. They can act on his authority, not on their own. Which and gives us confidence and courage. Well, he says in another place, you know, uh, and I think this refers to the disciples when he refers to the least of these, talking about, you know, however you receive them, that's how you receive me. I mean, we do go with that authority as his representatives, so much so that if we're rejected, it's it's not us that are being rejected, it's him. And that's an amazing place to walk. And that word rejected is an important one in the context, for you remember that the immediately preceding paragraph is about Jesus' experience of rejection. Mm -hmm. If they rejected him, they may well reject you. But even as Jesus was graciously received by others, there will always be those who graciously receive those who come in his name. Mm -hmm. Well, Bill Lane, we love it when you open the scriptures with us and we learn these things, and it's very helpful to us as we want to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And we do that through this cycle of discipleship. And we'll talk about the third phase next week here. Bill, thanks so much. And Michael, One more time, let's return to that theme for this series and ask you to sing for us again, Bearers of the Light. The light we must share is the light we must bear is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. So we must claim in His powerful name The promise the Bible has spoken We must understand that a cord of three strands Cannot be easily broken The light we must bear is the light we must share Is the light that illumines the darkness is kept, give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. The promise is kept, give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. Always grateful for Michael's music that ties this program together. 
We hope you'll share what you found in this podcast with your friends on social media. We feature programs every week and offer an extensive podcast archive of classic and current editions for you to explore. If what you're hearing today in this session about discipleship has prompted you to go deeper into God's Word, look online for more from Michael that can help. You'll find music, the latest book titled The Nazarene, and news about upcoming concerts and conferences at michaelcard.com. We're always glad to hear from listeners. Post a comment on the Michael Card Music Facebook page or send your comments, questions, and song requests via email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Coming up, more music and conversation waiting for you after this message in the studio with Michael Card. The Disciple Study Bible is this month's featured CSB resource. I'm glad we're partnering with the CSB. I got to see firsthand the way godly scholars work together on this Bible translation. Now I get to use the CSB in my study and teaching. There's so many types of editions available. I hope you'll find one that will help you get serious about reading God's Word. Search for the Disciple Study Bible at csbible.com and read more about this unique study tool. And when you order, apply your 40% discount on the CSB purchase through LifeWay. The Disciple Study Bible will not only guide you to unlock the meaning of the scriptures, but direct your growth as a disciple. Find a reading plan, map, study notes, and spaces to record your growth as you learn to follow Jesus. When you purchase this powerful discipleship tool, type CARD40 without spaces in the promotion code to receive your 40% discount from LifeWay. Search for the Disciple Study Bible now at csbible.com. Back in the studio, Michael, I'd love to hear from listeners. I really do encourage people to write to us. It encourages us to know that you're listening and, and benefiting from our efforts here in the studio. And it helps us to shape the program in a way that will help be more helpful to, to the true, listeners. True, uh, We do have an outline that we follow here, uh, community, commentary, creativity. We've done that since the beginning of this yeah. way back when, when Long we first started recording. We did that for 12 years. Many years ago. Yeah. Low these many years ago. Yes. But it's uh, it's proven uh, to be a, uh, a good layout. Yeah. I think you were just out of high school. I was. Yeah. yeah. I was very young, very yeah. young. Joe Carlson's always been our producer. He's on the other side of the glass right now. So yes. we need to give Joe credit for that, uh, Absolutely. that outline. So uh, let's talk about how we're going to end the program coming up in a few minutes. Then we'll back up and talk about what's next. Okay. Well, we're going we're going back to Israel. We're going to be a little little uh, village called Taipei, which is a Christian village on the West Bank. And we like to take our groups there because there is a, a house there that uh, is built uh, in the same way a first century Jewish home would be built. And by that, I mean it's built over a cave, uh, and and upstairs it has what's called a ketaluma, uh, the, the, the guest room. Hmm. And so when you go to this house, you immediately understand uh, the birth of Jesus, Joseph and Mary going to Bethlehem, and the ketaluma, the guest room, the guest room which has been mistranslated in. They, we don't have ends in Judaism, right? <laughs> the, so the guest room is full, so you, you're going to have to go down underneath the house, which is a, the cave. The where, stable. Or stable, where, where the animals are kept at night. The animals that are vulnerable are kept at night. And when you see this, it makes perfect sense. So, uh, yeah, we were at this little house. And, well, we were actually at the church next door to the house. There's a beautiful church there. 
And uh, and uh, we had a little uh, devotional time there with our group. Yeah, and we're going to hear you read Psalm 23. Yes, uh, in that location. Yeah, that's coming up in a few minutes as we end right. uh, this week's edition of In the Studio. So I just wanted to give our listeners a heads up about what what was coming. Right, but next we have Nancy Guthrie will be yeah. with us in just a moment. After you sing a song, I want to talk about the song for a moment. Okay. Older than the rain. Uh huh. Well, it, it's a it's an appropriate song to play before Nancy uh, speaks because part of her ministry has been to engage with uh, people at, at the level of their suffering. Uh, she and her husband do retreats with couples who have lost children mm-hmm. as, as they have lost children. And, uh, and so the, the big question is, you know, what do you do with your pain? Yeah. Um, well, you wrote a whole book on lament. Yeah, I did. I did. And, uh, and, and I'm still asking, trying to ask better questions and, and, uh, and try to understand what, what tears mean. And where do they come from? And that's what this song is about, Older Than the Rain. And uh, uh, at some point, I don't remember exactly when this idea came, but uh, uh, I, was, I was thinking about the flood and the, the flood in the garden. Well, clearly, the garden happened before the flood did. Mm-hmm. But if you read uh, the passage on, in Genesis on the flood, you find out that that's the first time it had ever rained. Before that, there was a mist that came up from the earth that watered Never, yeah, never, never knew that. No, it had never rained. So uh, the idea is that Adam and Eve wept before it had ever rained. So teardrops, oh, okay. teardrops are older than raindrops. Huh. Tears are more fundamental and happen first in the in the earth. So pain and suffering are older. Right, right. And so uh, the 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 song is built around the line: uh, human tears uh, are older than the rain. darkening garden was still unwet by all the tears of the sky within the grip of that disobedient bite came all the tears the fallen world would cry the unwelcomed wetness they never had felt coursed down their fallen faces in surprise the only life they ever knew was a clear and fallen sky For he had not intended that we should ever need to cry Falling tears from fallen eyes Our faces with an unaccustomed stain We were driven from the garden beneath the cloudless sky For human tears are older than the rain Human tears are older than the rain and peace to stumble all alone this long lamenting race from the deepest darkest shadows he joins us in this place and we recognize our bitter tears upon his perfect face 
tears from fallen eyes Our faces with an unaccustomed stain We were driven from the garden beneath a cloudless sky For human tears are older than the rain Human tears are older than the rain a beautiful and meaningful song, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Older than the rain. Hey, we've been uh, talking here in the studio. We have a guest who's going to join us now, Nancy Guthrie. We've been talking. It's been many years since Nancy was first with us on this program. Yeah, I think if anybody will understand the idea that teardrops are older than raindrops, uh, it'll be Nancy. Right. Nancy, welcome. Oh, so good to be with you, Wayne and Michael. (laughs) Yeah. You and Michael live so close, and here we are talking on the phone with you. I (laughs) know. There's something very wrong about that. I'm glad to be talking to you on the phone at least. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's hard to keep up with with all your books. I didn't even know this (laughs) this latest one was out, uh, even better than Eden. So uh, I'm looking forward to to hearing uh, what's behind this book. And we're glad to have you on this uh, newer edition of In the Studio since we're recording new material now and having you back. So thank you. And David's doing okay? He's terrific. Thank you. How are the conferences going? Uh, are you talking about our weekend retreats yeah. we host for couples? Yeah. Yeah, we host weekend retreats for couples who have lost children. We started those in 2009, and we just had our 34th retreat wow. a couple of weeks ago. It's 11 couples who have lost children and us for the weekend out in a 12-bedroom lodge outside Ashland City. And we share our stories and pray for each other and um, open up God's Word to try to hear Him speak into this sorrow. Uh And it's interesting. You know, people think about us heading off on these weekends. It sounds like the most miserable thing in the world to go spend the weekend with 12 sets of strangers who all have so much sorrow, Mm -hmm. but it is actually the sweetest, most beautiful thing, because the Lord just um, knits our hearts together so quickly, because you're in this group of people who get you and get your experience, and people are so hungry to experience the Lord and, and and come to some clarity in, in their circumstances that are so confusing. And He is so good to meet us and show Himself to us. And it's just an incredible privilege to get mm-hmm. to do that. I don't know anything else like this. It, it, it's been fun to follow it through the years and see how God has used you and David, Nancy. Has it really been 20 years since baby Hope died? Uh, 20 years since she was born. Her birthday oh, her born. was last okay. week. She oh, okay. would have been 20. Yeah. My goodness. and That's, that's kind of chokes me up. Yeah, I can imagine why. And and the the fact that the circumstances of your life have have really shaped who you are in so many ways and led yeah. to so much uh, help that you've given so many people through your books and, and speaking, Nancy. Just say a word about that. I mean, you, yeah. you, you, it was nothing you welcomed into your life, but God's using it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, that most people, when we go through an incredible loss, 
like David and I did when we lost our daughter Hope, and then later our son Gabriel, who had the same uh, fatal disorder. I think when that happens, you kind of have a choice. You, you've got all these questions, and you have the choice. Am I? Am are my, all of my questions and my frustration and disappointment and maybe even anger? Am I going to use that as an excuse to turn away from him? Or am I going to use it as an opportunity to turn toward him, to say, you are all I've got in all of this. And if I'm ever going to have joy again, if there's ever going to be healing in my life, if I'm ever going to come to peace, I know it's only going to come through you. And so you have to meet me here. And as I open up your word, I need you to speak to me. I need you to illumine me, give me understanding, give me comfort. And I feel like over these years, that decision to turn toward God, to ask him to reveal himself to me, has certainly, uh, it's paid off in my own life. It's paid off in, in ministry to others, for which I am just incredibly grateful. But what you've learned has come through struggle and pain. Absolutely. Um, but its vehicle has been the Word of God. Um, you know, I think sometimes sometimes we will say to people in the midst of sorrow, you know, are you reading your Bible? And I, I think sometimes, actually, the Bible, because of the way it's put together, isn't necessarily a comforting book. I mean, if you think about it, Let's say, you know, you're going through something difficult and you want some comfort and, you know, you open up to an epistle that has all of these regulations about how the church is run, or you open up to a historical book and you're reading about a battle and you think to myself, well, this has nothing to do with me. And so Mm. what that requires is that we go much deeper in the Bible to understand the larger story of the Bible. And I would say to you guys, Wayne and Michael, that was how the Bible became a comforting book. I mean, whenever, when anybody is suffering, they all have the same question, and you guys know what it is. Yep. Why? Why? Mm-hmm. And so as I went on a search for an answer to that question, why, you, you, many people look for it in their circumstances. They look around, and they, they, they say, I want to see something that's happening in the world or in my life that I could say this is why that happened. Or it's a philosophical search, like, uh, you know, got to understand how the world works. My search became a biblical search, and I found the answer to the question why in Genesis 3.15 most profoundly. Hmm. In Genesis 3.15 is after Adam and Eve have sinned. And God comes, and he curses the serpent. He says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring. But then he gets very particular about an offspring. He will bruise your head. Mm -hmm. You will crush his heel. And in that passage in Genesis 3, you see the impact that sin had on this world. It sin. We read a couple of verses later that he he cursed the ground. Sin has infected, infiltrated everything in the world. And I would say to you, sins, the curse of sin has infected this world so much, it has impacted even my genetic code. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, And so if you ask me why I've had two children, because the world is so deeply broken because of the impact of sin on all creation. Mm-hmm. But see, in Genesis 3.15 there, I not only find this answer to the question why, I find it the announcement of hope. Hmm. 
the hope to hold on to is right there at the beginning of the Bible, where we read that um, that this one offspring is going to bruise or crush the head of evil, this one who has brought sin and death into the world. So here's this announcement, this one offspring is going to come, and he's going to deal with the evil and the sin and the death that Satan's impact on humanity has brought into this world. And that changed my understanding of the Bible. That means the whole of the Bible, the whole of the Old Testament, is about watching and waiting for that person. Yes. And the New Testament is observing what that one has done. Uh, we, we read in the epistles, in Hebrews, I think, that he came to... Uh, to, bring, to put to death the devil. Mm. And so this helps us understand what the Bible's about, and this is what brings comfort, is that the brokenness of this world is not going to be the way it's going to be forever. Mm-hmm. But one day, um, blessing is going to flow far as the curse is found, mm-hmm. as we sing in, in Joy to the World. Mm-hmm. And so I found in the Bible both the answer to the question why, as well as hope, to hold on to Excellent. in the darkest of times. Now, I've, I've never heard uh, an answer to the why question because I've always taught, for, and this is from the book of Job, that the biblical answer is don't ask that question. <laughs> but that's, that's, a real, <laughs> that's a really good answer. That's a really good answer. Well, I think both that, but I also think when we ask the question, when I think about how many times in the Bible, that we, especially when you get into uh, the New Testament, you hear over and over, this has happened so that, I mean, if you look up so that, it's like the Bible does keep giving us answers to the question, why? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Paul, when he talks about some of his struggles, he says, this happened so that I would depend on God, not mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Well, there's an answer to the question, why? Or um, when James said uh, these things have come upon you, basically to make you spiritually mature. Oh, there's an answer to the question why. Mm -hmm. God does have good purposes in the suffering in our life. He intends to accomplish some very good things in our lives to make us more mature. Or think about John 15. He's pruning us. Why? To make us more fruitful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or in Hebrews 12, he's disciplining us for a harvest of righteousness. So I I think the answers to questions why really are there in the scriptures. They're just not always the way we want the answers to come. We want God to write in the sky and give us a specific personal answer. This is why I allowed this to happen to you at this time in this way. And I think we have to receive what he does give us in terms of scriptural answers to that question. Mm. Well, you've learned these things through the crucible. It's different from just studying them academically, Nancy, and you you bring them to us so well in your books. By the way, I don't want too much time to get by here without mentioning the latest book, Even Better Than Eden is the title, and it's uh, the story of God's plan for the new creation. Yes. What I do in that book is I basically trace the story of the Bible nine times, uh, kind of looking at it from different angles. You know, when you look at a piece of artwork, if you know how to do that, I'm not much of an art connoisseur, but my understanding is you're supposed to look at it from all different angles to really take in the beauty of it. And in a sense, I think that's the case with the story we're being told in the Bible. We're able to look at the beauty and sufficiency and necessity of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I do it from nine different angles. I could do it from many more. Uh, But, you know, for example, the story of the wilderness, 
we begin with a garden set in the midst of the wilderness of the world. But then, of course, Adam and Eve are, after they sin, are ejected into the wilderness that surrounds the garden. We say, God, bring a people to himself. What happens? They go through the wilderness for 40 years, but they're brought into this land that's a little land of milk and honey. It's like a new Eden. But then, of course, they are exiled because of their sin. Mm -hmm. But then we have this one who shows up, and it's so fascinating how John says uh, he's he's a voice crying in the wilderness wilderness Mm -hmm. to make a way for this king to come. And here comes Jesus, and he... He goes out into the wilderness where he's tempted. He goes at the very end of his ministries in a garden where he's tempted even more in regard to the cross. But then what happens? He is buried in a garden. And on that resurrection morning, Mary, they, they go, she goes to the tomb. And she, she's confused because she sees this one and she, it says, supposing him to be the gardener. The gardener. <laughs> and of course he was, he is the gardener. This is the dawn of the new creation. And the gardener is up at the crack of this dawn, and he is extending the new creation into the wilderness of this world. Mm. And the, our hope of the gospel is that one day you and I are going to finally escape the wilderness of this world, because that's where we live right now, in the wilderness, where mm. there's still thorns that are thorns in the flesh for us, and yet the day is coming. We're going to enter into what's kind of a, we look, when we look at it in Revelation 22, it's kind of a new garden city paradise. Mm. And the words used to describe it are so similar to what we read about in Genesis 1 and 2. But there's going to be a difference in this garden. That no evil is ever going to enter into it. No sin is ever going to diminish it. And this is going to be a garden where we're going to feed on the tree of life that's now expanded. There's 12 kind of fruits and a new crop of fruit every month. And <laughs> we're going to live in this abundant garden forever. I mean, is that not a great story? <laughs> mm, absolutely. <laughs> How can you not look forward to that, huh? Absolutely. All right. Well, Nancy, thank you so much. Um, and it, for people who want to know about the retreats that you mentioned earlier for grieving families, uh, where do they go for that information? NancyGuthrie.com, and you'll see a uh, link there for respite retreats. All right. And as we mentioned earlier, the the latest book is Even Better Than Eden, Nine Ways the Bible Story Changes Everything About Your Story. And Nancy Guthrie has written many other books as well. So I hope it's not another few years before we get to talk with you again, Nancy. Well, I do too. You guys just call me anytime. All right. (laughs) And Michael, we talked earlier about, there's so many of your songs that we could play here that would be appropriate. I mean, I'm thinking of In the Wilderness and The New Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. all these songs. But as we said earlier, we want to hear you uh, read uh, Psalm 23 at the church in the West Bank. And then we'll ask you to sing, Never Will I Leave You. So, Nancy, once again, thank you. God bless you and David. We'll talk again. Thank you so much. All right. Here's Michael Card. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through deep darkness, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Shouldness and hesed will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
fear That's when I'm near Your soul's security Oh, when will you Something I'll never do Forever remember That it's true Never will I leave you Never will I leave you That's his promise to us. Michael, why don't we close, and can I ask you to pray for listeners? Absolutely. Lord Jesus, we come to you as, as your children who need to be made wise by your word. And we, we read that you will never leave us, that you'll never forsake us, and that's our hope. Uh, we read that you're the good shepherd and that we are, uh, as your sheep, we are able to recognize your voice. So we ask, uh, we ask now for the sensitivity to hear your voice. We, uh, we ask you to never leave us, to never forsake us. We ask, you for ser- uh, we ask you to search for us and find us in the wilderness because that's where we are. And uh, we realize in light of your word that without your voice, we are going to be lost. So speak to us and give us ears to hear and be our God. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Michael. This has been a stirring hour in the Word of God with Michael and Nancy today. We're trusting that God is using these conversations to guide your thinking as a follower of Christ. We hope you'll send us your story how this is happening for you. We look forward to reading your reactions and questions about Michael's teaching. You can reach us several ways. Send your email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com or find us on Facebook when you search for Michael Card. Also, learn about Michael's books, music, and our podcast guest details at michaelcard.com and share what you've discovered on your favorite social media platform. We're glad for the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible. Visit csbible.com to learn more about the great Bible editions that can aid in your personal growth as you get serious with God's Word. This month, we're featuring the Disciples Study Bible. Find a daily reading plan maps, study notes, focus on discipleship issues, and spaces to record your growth as you learn to follow Jesus. Search for the Disciples Study Bible. When you order, use the promotion code CARD40, typed with no spaces, to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay. The Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. Now for all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us for this session in the studio with Michael Card.